Good morning. Good to see you guys. I missed you guys. It was like too long. Uh, so great to be back with you guys. Great to be in the presence of God together. Um, awesome, awesome. Well, as we start this new year, uh, I was thinking about this phenomena that I've seen uh, increase the last number of years, and that is UFC boxing and MMA fighting. I don't know if you've noticed, it just seems like it's more and more and more of that. Now, I always know when a fight is going on, and it's not because I'm Mr. UFC or MMA fan. I always know when a fight's going on because I can see the top half of my neighbor's TV over the fence. <clears throat> now, I know when a fight is going on not because I can see the top half of the TV, but because when a fight is going on, there's always a crowd, and it's always the loudest thing that they watch. There's more grunting, there's more yelling, there's more cussing, there's more, a lot of everything when there's a UFC fight going on, right? Because uh, the neighbor's got a crowd over there, right? And I was wondering, you know, what is it about, you know, UFC that, that is the draw, you know? And I think, uh, I think there is something, because I heard this, that the, fast, uh, the MMA is the fastest growing sport. I, I think there is something about the stamina it takes, the focus it takes, the tenacity it takes. You're bleeding, you're getting hit. You know, and, and, and you're just watching this person get knocked down and they get back up while they're bleeding and stay in the fight. I mean, that is a, that is intense. And the focus and the tenacity that takes, I, I think there's something that is intriguing to humanity about that. You know, I, I think whether you are a UFC or MMA fan or not or whatever, I think one of the reasons it, it speaks to something in us, because life is a battle, right? Whether it's inflation, job changes, kids, marriage, singleness, brokenness, or stress of the world, stress of jobs, stress of life, it takes stamina, it takes focus, it takes tenacity. You will get hit in life again and again and again, and you need to choose whether you get back up or whether you tap out or whether you stay in or, or, or run from the battles of life. I think there's something that is intriguing in it because we know that life feels like a constant battle, especially if you are going to be someone that carries faith and hope and love and expectation in the midst of that battle. I think that's why Paul exhorts Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. He's exhorting Timothy, kind of his, 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 the one he's mentoring, one of the guys he's mentoring, he says, now fight the good fight of faith. And then Paul in 2 Timothy, which is the last book he wrote, at the end of his life, he said, I have fought the fight of faith. I've run my race. Paul is acknowledging, hey, the older I get, the more I realize that life is like a long, ongoing, challenging battle. And if we are going to cross the finish line of life, we need to learn to fight. 
we need to learn to fight the fight of faith. You know, I think oftentimes as believers, we kind of show up to, to the Christian life like we just rolled out of bed with flip-flops on and a towel and a swimsuit, and we're kind of like all of a sudden, it's hard. And we're like, why is this so hard? I've been following Jesus. I thought, you know, God is, God is in control of my life now, so I thought it'd be easy. Why is there spiritual warfare? Why does not everyone like me, right? And, and, and you see, there's, a, there's an analogy throughout Scripture that, man, life and following Jesus can be like a battle. So we're starting a new sermon series called Fight to Win based off this concept of, um, that we see in Timothy, and, and that is that we want to help you, and I believe God wants to help you win the most significant battles of your life in 2023, the most important. You can get in a lot of battles. You can get in Twitter battles. You can get in political battles. You can get in the same battle in marriage that you've been cycling around for 10 years now and haven't resolved it yet. You can get a lot of battles, but there are a few battles that is important for you to come out the victor in and stay in the battle on, and we want to help you uh, focus on those. So just a few as we uh, come into the next year. Um, uh, we uh, have a few that we're going to be focusing on. One, this week we're going to be talking about striving versus surrendering. The next week we're going to talk about winning the battle of busyness versus purpose. Are we going to be purposeful people or busy people? <clears throat> the next week we're going to talk about people are we going to be stuck in sin or struggles, or are we going to be free this year? And then last week, we're going to talk about the battle between isolation and connection, right? So the battles of striving versus surrender the next week, busyness versus purpose, being stuck versus being free, and the battle of isolation versus connection with others. You know, I believe one of the main battles that we fight is that of straining on our own or surrendering and trusting God. Will you come to the end of 2023 exhausted, realizing that you'd try to do a lot of things on your own and haven't been involved and haven't involved God in the process? Or will you come to the end of 2023 Maybe you've worked hard, but you've partnered with God in the most important areas of your life or your singleness or your marriage or your career or your calling or the things that God has called you to and come out saying, okay, that wasn't easy, but we trusted God and we got to see the breakthrough and we walk, because we walked with him and allowed him to have his way and not me just try and get my way. We need to decide at the beginning of the year, what do we want the story to be at the end of the year? Listen, you can't determine outcomes, but you can determine where you're going to put your hope and your trust and whether you're going to strain in your own strength or surrender to God. One of the reasons I wanted to start this sermon series and start the year with this is not only because it starts with surrender and ultimately trusting God, but this concept of surrender has been a word, you know, Antioch is not just one church, we're a movement of churches that are all over the world, I think we have like 150 churches internationally, about 50 uh, or 45 here in the U.S., 
It has been a word that we have sensed for this year again and again and again. People have got it. And specifically, this phrase, surrendering our oars. Now, I know that sounds random, but we had people apart from all over the world saying, hey, I was praying, and I felt like God had given me this word for our movement of surrender the oars. I mean, I've never had that, or kind of let go of the oars. So that God could take us where he wants to go. And there's an obscure passage that numerous people sense in the Lord in Isaiah 33 where it talks about that God wants to take us places where no oars can go. But that ultimately, right, there's places that only God can give us, get us that we cannot get in our own strength. So God is very clearly speaking this to us. And so because we believe that's a word of the Lord, as your pastor, I want to include that and kind of start with that here as we start the day. If you want to hear more about that, Antioch Movement actually has a podcast called Passion and Purpose. So I want to invite you to connect to that. Actually, a couple of the points I'm making today are from one of those uh, podcast episodes, but Passion and Purpose. You can hear more about what God is speaking to our movement and how we're responding to it. So... <clears throat> One of the places we see oars in Scripture is in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus comes to them walking on water. And I want to read that. We're going to meet Anna in the NIV version today, the New International Version. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 52. Now, Jesus has just uh, fed the 5,000 in this passage, and now he's sending his disciples out. They're all exhausted. They're tired. They've been ministering to 5,000 people. Jesus goes to pray. Jesus sends out his disciples. Here we go. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking in the lake. He was about to pass by them. And when he saw them walking in the lake, he thought it was a ghost. They thought it was a ghost. And they cried because they saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They're completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. All right, well, just a couple things. I want to dive in a few different pieces of this passage. Starting at verse 48, it says that the wind was against them. The wind was against them. We have this similar um, complimentary story in the book of John chapter 6. And it says that there was a storm and large waves. So I want you to picture a bomb cyclone, right? Anyone enjoying the bomb cyclone life? Now, other places I lived around the country, we called that rain. Here we call it bomb cyclones. Uh, uh, so they, they were in a bomb cyclone. They were in a, uh, another phrase I'm hearing these days is the atmospheric river. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds cool. So, you know, maybe they're in a bomb cyclone, but bottom line, whatever's going on, they're in a storm, right? And it's interesting to note that uh, Jesus is the one that sent them out into the lake. Now, maybe he didn't have the weather app, you know, 
Uh, but he's God, and he seemed to kind of be perceptive and very in tune with the Holy Spirit as well and aware. And so I would, 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 I don't think it's a stretch to think Jesus knew what he was sending them into, right? Jesus knew there was going to be a storm in the lake. He's like, hey, I'm going to go pray, go have fun in the lake. No, right? Uh, so he sends them out into the lake, and... Um, it begs the question, why would Jesus do this? You can imagine the conversation that the disciples are having. They're in the boat. They're straining, as we'll see in a second. And they're probably grumbling. What the? They're questioning Jesus' leadership. They're like, what in the world? Uh, you know, this, this, we just saw these loaves multiplied. We fed 5,000. We're exhausted. They said their hearts are hard, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. They're confused. They're grumbling. They're stressed. They're anxious. And you see, but, but I think Jesus had a goal in mind that was bigger than their immediate comfort. You see, I think Jesus had the big picture in mind because more than their immediate comfort, he wanted to see their faith built. More than their immediate comfort, he wanted to see trust and surrender, and hope, he was raising up <clears throat> disciples and followers that could walk into a storm of life and trust that God was going to show up and come out the other side more full of faith. <clears throat> you see, as followers of Jesus, we're not just to be made to be church people that kind of pretend like we have it together, and then are we, we're just anxious all the time. Like, listen, it's, it's normal to be anxious, to, you know, struggle, that's fine. But what God is raising up, he's raising up believers that can walk through storms and come out the other side full of faith. He's raising up believers that can pray in the midst of a storm and cause it to end. And Come on, amen. Thank you. So in order to do that, it means that sometimes he needs to allow storms in our lives to shake our comfort. Because listen, I go to the emotional blanket, right? Uh, and I'm like, hey, I just prefer comfort all the time, right? Uh, but, but he has a bigger story. And good news is he sends the comforter, the Holy Spirit, with us. So not only is he send us into storms, he's like, I know this won't be comfortable, so I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, the comforter. <laughs> so you can be comforted anytime you need in the midst of the storms of life. And so our posture towards the storms of life changes completely when we truly believe there is a sovereign God who may not be causing the storm, right? It might be someone else's sin. It might be someone else's brokenness, right? It might be our own stupid decisions we made. But when we believe there's a sovereign God who's bigger than our stupid decisions, who's in control, it changes our posture and our faith towards the challenges we're facing. And so some of us, we need to look back at the storms of uncertainty in this season, or even the storms of 2020 and 2021. And again, I don't think God is necessarily the author of death, right? But I do think God was sovereign in allowing some of us to go through trials and allowing the church as a whole to go through trials. I'll just be honest, the church in our nation needed a shaking, I needed a shaking as a pastor, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit, right? Uh, 
what God is doing. He's allowing a storm to purify his church, to free us from our idols, to free us from from the hope we put in ourselves instead of in God, to free us of our self-centeredness, to free us of our grasping for control and power of our lives and other people. So we could be a people who are free, letting go of the auras so God can do what he wants in us. All right. Y'all okay? Just waking us up this morning. and we're coming in here a little tired. Y'all seem a little tired this morning. So uh, I'm full of faith for this year. Okay. So listen, though. Our natural response to a challenge in life or distress is not to just turn on a worship song and sing, Jesus, I just trust you. I just feel so at peace right now. Bring on the storm. All right, that's not our natural response. Our natural response is what we see right here in verse 48. Let's take a look back at it. He says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Straining, you see the word picture clearly. You see him just, I don't know if any of you have ever, like, you're a cyclist or you bike. Maybe not a cyclist, but you bike, right? <laughs> or you are a kayaker or you paddleboard or something, and, and, and you're against the wind, right? So I used to do a lot of cycling, especially when I lived in Texas. It's really flat. There's not many trees. It's just open. And I'd be going for, and I'd feel great for the first half. I'm going one direction. I'm going 25, 30 miles an hour. I'm barely pedaling. I'm just like, this is so easy. This is so great. And then I turn around and realize the whole time the wind had been in my back. And then I turn around. I'm not going 25 miles an hour. I'm going eight. And I'm working harder than I was when I was 25. And I see cyclists going the other way. I'm like, yeah, your life's about to be a lot worse because I'm going into the wind, right? I got 20 miles of terrible, you know, barely making headway. That's what the disciples have going on right here, right? They're frantically straining. Now, re- remember, this is a storm, but these guys are fishermen. Remember, a bunch of the disciples were fishermen. So these guys, they know what they're doing, right? And so you can imagine they're saying, hey, we've done this before. We're freaking out, <clears throat> but we've done this before. I've got this. But as you'll see, they're screaming like little children soon. They don't got this, right? But isn't that what we tend to do? <clears throat> we tend to kind of, the pressure's on. It's like, well, I've got to frantically pretend like I got this, and I've got to kind of control the aspects of, of my life, right? Um, and, and, and so they're, they're doing a lot, but the one thing they're not doing is calling upon the name of Jesus yet. Right? The one thing they're not doing is praying. They're putting a lot of work in, and it doesn't seem they're doing much praying or relying on God. You see, when we're trying to anxiously control the things of our lives, there's probably one main reason, at least for me, so maybe I'm just preaching to myself, it's because we trust ourselves to do it right more than we trust God. We trust, I'm the one that knows what to do, so now my prayer life is going to be convincing God to do it my way if I'm praying at all, but why would I pray if I know the right way to go about this in life, right? Now listen, that doesn't mean we don't do anything. It doesn't mean we sit around just praying all day and being, you know, super spiritual, whatever. 
But what it does mean, the posture in which we go about our responsibilities changes, right? When the stress is on, there's two different ways we can go about it. Now, one of my kids uh, actually tends towards hyper-responsibility. They want to be responsible for themselves, but they want to tell everyone else how to be responsible in the family. And uh, sometimes that's a blessing. And sometimes it's not a blessing. You see, when they are anxious and they're trying to do it, so uh, we're having people over yesterday and we had a process of cleaning the house. This child determined that uh, it would be the worst thing ever the house wasn't clean and so proceeded to tell everyone else, we have the worst house because it's not clean yet. And so when they're going about it on their own, freaking out, their strength of being responsible becomes a curse to everyone else, right? And they're freaking out internally. And finally, I had the conversation with this child. I said, hey, is this about our guests or is this about you? Feeling a little anxious right now. And so I lovingly, you know, helped them realize, you know, we got to, okay, we're, we're okay. Take a breath, you know. But when this child is trusting, they're a huge, they're amazing, you know. And so they're like, they're like, my partner in crime helped me. I actually joked I'm going to hire this kid here in a couple years or two to, to work on staff because they're so responsible. Uh, but, you know, whether it's finances, whether it is our work responsibilities, whether it's the challenges we have in life, when we're stressed, we can choose to either white-knuckle it in our own strength or we can choose to bring it to God and say, God, I'm still going to work hard, but I need you. And so I'm giving this to you. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I'm a human. I got a two-pound brain. I need help here, God, right? And um, listen, whatever we don't surrender to God ends up being a weight that will destroy us and others, even if it's a gift you have, even if it's a strength in your life. When we're stressed, and we're worried, whatever we don't surrender to God will end up crushing us and others, even if it's in our strength set. But whatever we surrender to God, he can bless and multiply just like the loaves. And that's what Jesus is trying to get in. It says they didn't yet understand what they had, so they weren't surrendering yet because they were still hard-hearted. If they would have got the lesson before, hey, we surrendered the loaves and fish we had, and God multiplied it. What you don't surrender, God can't bless, but what you surrender, God can bless and multiply. All right. Y'all good? All right. Find my place here. Okay, so last thing I'll say is it just you can't go on your own strength trying to be in control of your life for too long, and actually God is too kind to let us go trying to control our lives for too long. He will allow a storm out of his kindness to get our attention so that at the end of our life, we don't realize we waste our lives living for ourselves. So if you're in a storm right now, let me just encourage you, it could be God's kindness drawing you to him so you can be in tune with what he's trying to do in your life. Now, a great question to ask whenever in a storm is where is Jesus and what is is he doing? So, you can ask that question in this text right here. It says in verse 48, uh, he went out to them walking on the lake. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now listen, 
I'm from Minnesota originally. When it's January, you can walk on the lake because it's ice. But you're not going to be boating and it won't be waves, right? Uh, so that's not what's happening here. Jesus is not walking on the ice. Jesus is walking on the water over the storm, okay? He's walking over stormy weather, and the disciples see him. <clears throat> Again, I think a great question to ask is, what is Jesus doing right now in my life, and where is he? Is he distant? Is he close? Is he mad at me? Is he compassionate with me? Is he coming towards me? Is he running away from me? Is he freaking out with me? Or is he confidently over whatever I'm freaking out about? It's an important question to ask. Because you see, how you see Jesus or don't see Jesus in your life trials will determine the experience and the level of peace and faith that you have. What is he doing in relation to your challenge? What is he doing in relation to your 2023? Even if it's going great and full of faith, what is he doing in your life and how can you follow him? You see, what we see right here is Jesus is over the storm. <clears throat> you see, we tend to think, I'm having a hard time because my problems are too big. And that's legitimate, right? I say that all the time. God, this would just be a little easier if, if, if life would be easier. And so much empathy, because I think that way often. <clears throat> but oftentimes, um, it's not that our problems are too big. It's that our view of God is too small. Not that our theology is too, it's not that you're going to, hey, what do you think about God? And like, yeah, he's not really powerful, he, he can't, no, not, we don't actually think that. I'm talking about our actual live view of God, live time in our life. Uh, it's not often that our problems are too big, it's that our view of God is too small. And so uh, the Bible says that to God, the nations are a drop in the bucket, Right? That old song, he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world. Some of y'all need to sing that over your lives. I do that with my kids sometimes when they're freaking out. Hey, I give them empathy. I give them care. I give them love. I listen. But then we're going to come out the other side in faith. And so after some empathy and hugging and care, we're going to look to Jesus. Sometimes we sing that song. It just takes us back to that childlike place. We just got to trust him. Again, so he's over your 2023. He's over your career. He's over your income level and your income needs. He's over your calling. He's over the promises of God in your life. He's over your confusion. He's over your struggle. I don't know what it is. Jesus is greater than maybe fill in the blank. I don't know what your fill in the blank is, but I just want to tell you I got good news is that whatever's going on, Jesus is greater than whatever you would insert here in your life. And my hope is that as we start the year, we can, we can by faith, not perfectly, because Jesus is not like in the flesh right in front of us, it would be nice, but we can by faith at least see that at least a little bit. <clears throat> because when we see that God is greater than whatever is going on in our life, 
and even greater than the good goals we have as we start the year, it allows us to rest and be human beings and not God that has to hold it all together. Now, the other beautiful thing I, I see here is that Jesus is coming near to them. <coughs> Whatever storm you got going on, can I just say Jesus is always near in every storm? Yeah. He's not up on the mountain still saying, oh, dang, I should have checked the weather app. Nor is he up on the storm saying, you know, they really need this to grow. They kind of deserve it. They can't even, didn't get the loaf thing yet, the fish and the loaves. Those jokers need to be in the storm. I'll be up in the mountain. No, that's not what, he sees a storm and he immediately draws near. Again, can I say that Jesus draws near in every storm of your life? <clears throat> Jesus knows you're a human being. He's not shaming you for being a human He's not shaming you for your fear. He's not shaming you for anxiety. <clears throat> what he's doing is he's drawing near. He's on the mountain saying, get it together. If you had more faith, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you believed the Bible. Here's a Bible verse. I'll send it to you. I'll text it to you from the mountainside. <clears throat> no, he draws near for connection, for empathy, for comfort, for presence. Now, <clears throat> What's interesting is we see in this verse that Jesus intended to pass by them. What? <laughs> I, I actually don't have a perfect answer for that. <clears throat> but what I will say is that Jesus will draw near, but ultimately he'll only be in control as much as you want him to be of the, how it fleshes in. He's in control but he'll only come into the intimate details of your heart and life as much as you invite him. He'll be near you. But how many of you know that it's possible to be a Christian and not have him in the boat with you? How many of you know it's possible to have Jesus near your storm trying to say, hey, you know, James and I'm here to help you. I love you, Right? It's possible, right, to have him around. You can go to church. You can go, uh, you can be a, a Christian. You can be a nice person. You can have great goals for 2023 and not invite Jesus into those goals at all. They can even be biblically based goals. They can even be full of faith goals. They can even be memorizing scripture goals. But if you're not inviting Jesus into the goals in your life or into the storm in your life, listen, Jesus doesn't want to just be around you in the storm. He wants to hop into the boat with you and say, hey, let me, let me take over. I got you, right? You, James, you could be here straining to the oars, and Jesus standing here, hey, help me out, right? Uh, let me help out. Jesus wants to come in. Let me just say, we need Jesus in the boat with us. And I say, you need Jesus in your boat. Your boat of your goals, the boat of your stressors, the boat of your finances, the boat of your emotions, the boat of your fears, your anxiety, your singleness, your marriage, your parenting, your career. Can I say you need Jesus in your boat this year? It says, uh, verse 
49 says, he's about to pass by him, but when they saw him walk in the lake, they thought it was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he said to them, take courage as I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. How did they get Jesus into the boat? <clears throat> they cried out. Now, it was half in fear because they didn't know what was going on, but they had a moment of realization that they needed help, and they were afraid, and they cried out. You know, throughout Scripture and throughout the Gospels, talking about Jesus' story, whenever the people of God cry out to God, or they cry out to Jesus, or they're blind, right? The, the blind, heal us, we want to see, right? Heal us, we want to hear, we're broken, right? Wherever people cry All right, just making sure you're awake. Uh, wherever the people of God are crying out, we've been working hard on that, by the way. Props to Jameson. He's probably put in like, how many hours do you put into that? He said, I won't even tell you. So I just want to let you know, we, and especially Jameson, is working extremely hard on that. So let's let Jesus in the boat on this thing and please pray for that. There's, we're all tired of that happening. So thanks for your patience. Uh, so uh, <coughs> where am I? So, so uh, throughout the gospel, wherever God's people cry out, Jesus draws near. That's where the miraculous happens in the gospels. It wasn't with the wise and the learned religious people who had opinions about everything and knew all the right answers, it was with the desperate ones. With the ones willing to say, hey, I need help. I'm screwed up. You know, my life isn't perfectly together. I can pretend all day long, but Lord, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, come take over. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, I need healing. Jesus, I need help. Those are the ones who saw the miracles. And the religious people watched on. And so I want to invite you to like them. I can imagine they stopped rowing and started screaming. <laughs> I want to invite you to surrender your oars in 2023 as we start the new year. Not to be the, I've got this. If I just work harder, I got this. If I just do more, if I just, no, listen, God may have you do more. I don't know. But if you're doing more without surrendering to God, you're going to end up in a ball of frustration and anxiety. So I want to invite us to surrender our oars as we come into 2023 here. I know the last couple of years have been a slow process of me walking through my own storms. God has been... <clears throat> Uh, gracious and challenging, as just I think most pastors would say this. <clears throat> uh, it's not been the easiest few years to pastor. For many of us, not been the easiest few years to be a human being. And uh, it has been a long, slow process of realizing, oh, I thought I was more in control of my life than I thought I thought. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and a slow process of realizing I actually don't know what's best for my life or how to get there. 
And listen, I got a strategic gift. It's one of my like top strengths finders. If you guys are strength finders people, I got a strategy for everything. Right? If you need a strategy, I got one for you. Right? But I realize that whether it's in our own lives or the church, a great strategy and effort without Jesus having full control and him having being the captain of the ship is not what we want. Right? And so what it has been has been me realizing, hey, not only uh, am I not in as much control as I thought, but painfully, I just, my prayers are more and more just, Jesus, come take over. <laughs> i just getting on my knees more and more again and just saying, Jesus, I, I just need you to come, like, not just help me. We don't just need help in 2023. We need a full takeover from Jesus. Let me just say, your marriage needs a full takeover from Jesus. Your personal life needs a full takeover. Your calling needs a full takeover from Jesus because he knows what is best in a way that we can't get. He is kindly not allowing room for mixture in our motives and mixture in our parts. He is wanting the oars of your relationships, the oars of your finances, the oars of, of your best ideas for your life so he can take you into his best idea for your life. And I just want to say, it is not, for me, coming without pain. It is not coming without sacrifice. It does not come without storms, and I'm very much still in process, but I just... I feel more free and surrendered than ever because, you see, the result of Jesus getting in the boat was what? The storm ceased. Now, I'm not going to promise that when you pray or surrender, everything will be in your life will be easy. But I will say he can give you a peace that surpasses understanding. I can say, man, I'm loving uh, pastoring more than ever. Not because church has been easier than ever, but because I'm freer than ever. <laughs> I'm loving my marriage more than ever, not because we've got it all figured out, but because I'm just, I'm just ready to just put myself to debt, my own desire. We got in a conflict the other day, uh, yesterday, and I was like hurt and offended, and I was like uh, <clears throat> kind of grumbly, and I went away and prayed, uh, and we were like, we can't talk about this right now, and I was like, we can't talk about this right now. I prayed, and I just realized, hey... As a husband, my job description is to lay my life down for her. So I can have all the preferences I want, but I need to see what will help her thrive. Dang it, you know? I, let's just die quickly to myself and my own desires so that I can care for her. I just, I don't have it all together, but hopefully I'm taking up my cross faster and just surrendering faster because I just know that the long Lastly, as we end, um, you want me to just yell without sound? All right. Lastly, uh, I love what happens at the end here. If you go on to the next verse, it says, when they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever 
they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. What happened on the other side of the storm? The power of God shows up. The miraculous shows up. The sick are being healed. God's kingdom breaks in. We see it again and again. Wherever there's trials and storms, for example, Acts 27 and 28, there's a huge storm uh, with Paul. What happens on the other side of that? The power of God shows up and the miraculous happens. On the other side of storms in our life, if you are willing to stay in the fight and trust Jesus, there is blessing on the other side of the storm. There's favor. There's anointing. The power of God. There's breakthrough on the other side of the storm. God never wastes anything. He's always intentional. And so, just good news for you. If you're in a storm, there's breakthrough on the other side. So, as we end today and start the year, just a few questions for, for application as we think that through. Number one, is Jesus in the boat with you? <clears throat> or is he standing next to the boat saying, I love you, can you please let me in? And maybe think through specific areas, right? I always know a place that Jesus is not in the boat with me is when my anxiety level or my anger at other people is higher than normal. If I think everyone's an idiot and everyone around me needs to get it together, uh, good, uh, good chance that I'm actually the one that needs to get it together in the moment, right? So, so that's a good place to start, is saying, hey, if my anxiety or anger is high, uh, is Jesus in the boat with me there? Uh, and, and secondly, does Jesus have control over the boat, or are you kind of putting them in the trunk saying, Jesus, come with us, bless what I'm doing, you know? Uh, does Jesus really, and can you honestly say, God, here's what I want, but really whatever you want is what I want. Can you say that, what Jesus prayed as he went to the cross? Here's what I'd like, honestly, that's okay to pray that. But whatever you want, let's do that, God. And lastly, are there any specific oars you're hanging on to? <clears throat> Are there any specific things you're saying, you know what, I, I, I think I know how to do this one better than God, so I'm just going to keep this in my control this year. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm not talking about don't be responsible. I'm not talking about don't work hard, obviously. But we work hard from surrender. We work hard from trust. We work hard from uh, <clears throat> knowing that God is ultimately the one who is in control. And I want to just give you a second to kind of sit in that for a minute. We just invite you, Spirit of God, to come speak to us here. <clears throat> come speak to us, Lord. Is there
search our heart in it. This is actually one of the most important times of service. You know, it's the time we want to go to lunch and be done. And I like lunch. But this is the time where we actually apply the Word of God. And that's how we actually grow, is not just hearing messages, but applying the message to our life. And so what I want to do is just make space for us as we worship and just say, Jesus, come take over. Maybe some of you need to get on your knees up here. Maybe some of you need to and their knees there. Maybe some of you need to stand or sit or whatever you need to do. But what I want to invite you to do is, is let go of the control of this year and surrender and just invite Jesus not only to get in the boat of your life or maybe into the boat of some specific areas of your life, but invite him to, to take over there. And so let's just take time and, and respond here. So Jesus, we invite you, come. Again, just whatever you need to do, come forward. Sit sit there, whatever you need to do, come. Jesus, we just say come. Come, Jesus. We cry out. We say come. Come in our finances. Come in our fears. Come, God, in our marriages. Come in our loneliness. Come in where we need breakthrough, God. We confess we cannot do it in our own. And help us where we think we can, God. We need you. We need you, God. I pray, consecrate us, set us apart for you as we start this year.